You think you've got issues? Hi, I'm Dr. Laurie Appel, and welcome to my podcast, where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues because, you know, we've all got issues. So in my last podcast, we talked about the hard work of parenting in a very, very general way. And in this podcast, we're going to follow up on that. We're going to expand on this topic by talking about how to interact with our children and get them to listen in a nurturing and loving way. And to do this, we have a very special guest today and a colleague of mine, Ms. Debbie Leone. Hi, Debbie. Hello, Laurie. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much for having me. So let me tell you a little bit about Debbie first. Debbie is a board-certified and professionally licensed psychotherapist, as well as an approved clinical supervisor. She has over 18 years of experience. She is a private practice clinician, and she also directs programs for family therapy and consultation services located in Woodbury, New Jersey. And there she has implemented such such programs as the Nurtured Heart Approach, a program designed for children dealing with trauma. She earned her master's degree in clinical psychology at LaSalle University in 2004. She is an extremely knowledgeable and caring clinician who is highly dedicated to the success and wellness of her clients. Her philosophy is based in the belief that our interactions with children should be nurturing, respectful, and unconditional. She encourages her clients to subscribe to love-based parenting as opposed to fear-based approaches. So Debbie, I know that you have studied a lot of the research, and I want to know in your experience and in terms of this research, what are the mistakes that parents sometimes make unwittingly when they are trying to teach their younger children compliance or really simply how to get them to listen? Sure, Laurie. So the easiest and most effective way that we use to achieve compliance in children is what we call behavior modification. We are basically using rewards and consequences right after the behavior. And what I often see parents do is giving in to this oppositional behavior. And of course, this is something we don't realize we're doing. It's important to learn how to stop reinforcing the negative behavior. If your child is tantruming, screaming and yelling, making demands, what do you tend to do? Do you remain silent? Of course not. Most of us end up yelling right back. And if we feel that we've just had enough, we might even just give in in order to bring some peace and quiet. The problem with this response is that we are reinforcing the negative behavior. This makes it very likely that the behavior will occur again and again. Same thing with a power struggle. You're keeping that negative cycle going. Now, if you'd like to work on this, I'd like you to picture yourself throwing logs on a fire, which in turn makes the fire bigger and bigger and bigger. This is essentially what you're doing when you give in or when you're giving your child all that negative energy. But how should we respond to oppositional defiant behavior? Well, unless the behavior is physical or causing some kind of risk for harm, you should attempt to remain silent. We call this active ignoring. You want to unplug your energy and make sure that you're not tending to the behavior in any way. This means no comments, no perturbed faces, no eye contact. 
This way you're not reinforcing your child's negativity. And you're lessening the likelihood that the behavior will occur again in the future. Now, is this easy to ignore the whining and the crying or ignore disrespectful, hurtful comments? Of course not. This is very challenging, but it can be done. And if the behavior warrants a consequence, by all means, use that. Use a timeout. Use loss of electronics and loss of privileges. Just make sure that when you do so, you're calm and you appear in control. Simply state the consequence quietly and carry it out. Yeah, Debbie, I think that those are really good points. And I know exactly what you mean because I see a lot of parents who get so as you say, perturbed, they start throwing logs on that fire. And what they end up doing then is presenting consequences that are an overreaction that they're never even really going to follow through on. And in terms of behavior modification that you're talking about, the follow through is probably even more important than what the consequence actually is. The fact that you say what you mean and you're going to follow through. Now, On the other hand, I've spoken to parents who seem to have the techniques of consequences down, and they're able to remain calm when their kids test limits and boundaries. And they tell me, though, that those consequences don't seem to work, that kids don't really care if you take something away or you put them in timeout or they've lost screen time. So then what are we missing in terms of how to get kids to respond when they don't seem to respond to consequences? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Well, there's another layer to behavior modification. And this is the layer that usually gets left out that you don't hear so much about. When your child is not acting out, when they're simply behaving in an acceptable manner, praise them, let them know that you recognize this. You know, when things are going right, we tend to say nothing. It seems like the only time we give our kids much of any energy is when things are going wrong. I'm sure that you've seen that plenty of times. We all can relate to that. This is tough. We need to, we we really want to flip this around and give our energy to the moments when things are going right. This will reinforce our children's positive behavior. And at the same time, we can let them know that we're proud of them. We can give them what we sometimes call verbal recognitions, for example. You might say, look how you sat down for dinner quietly when I didn't even have to ask you. Good job. Or you might say, you're cleaning up your toys like a big boy without any help. I am so proud of you. Um, Another example might be, you sure are being patient waiting for me in this long line. You should be very proud of yourself. These are comments that don't come naturally. We need to be intentional in our parenting if we're going to follow through with these uplifting, positive statements. And after all, Laurie, it really feels good to hear that we're doing something right. And we all need this. If you're interested in learning more about this idea of praising the positive, noticing the positive, there's a wonderful book, a wonderful approach. It's called The Nurtured Heart Approach. This is written by Mr. Howard Glasser, G-L-A-S-S-E-R. You might want to pick that book up and it will give you some ideas. I think that's a great point, Debbie. I really find that with families, it's a lot, it has a lot to do with what we attend to. So a lot of parents spend a lot more time during the day scolding, criticizing, nagging their children as opposed to saying something positive. And I agree that we really need to flip that around. I sometimes even ask parents to jot down how many times a day they criticize their child as opposed to how many times a day they compliment 
their child. And I think it's a really good exercise for parents to do to see just how much attention is paid to the more negative than the positive. And all of this sounds pretty straightforward. We shape behavior by using rewards and consequences. Is this enough for good parenting? Can we really simply as parents rely on strict behavior modification in order to get our kids to listen? (laughs) Well, I wish that it was that simple, Lori. Absolutely not, because sometimes behavior modification can be a little bit robotic and dry. It's based in science. It's based in logic. We are human beings with a spiritual side, an emotional side, and so sometimes we're not very logical at all. Good parenting should always involve validation. With validation, you're recognizing and accepting that your child has thoughts and feelings that are very true for them. It doesn't matter whether or not these thoughts or feelings are logical. A lot of times they're not, but they're very real to your child. When your kids are coming up to you and they're expressing themselves, you should respond with acceptance. Try not to judge their comments. So you're basically saying, I hear you and I am listening. What we don't want to do is give the impression that we disapprove of the child's thoughts and feelings. Because who are we to say how someone should think or feel? You know, if your child is coming up to you and expressing their thoughts and feelings, you're basically doing something right. That means that they feel safe enough to do that. But we need to be mindful about judgment. Now, notice that I didn't include behavior here because you can and you should judge your child's behavior. They need to learn what is acceptable and they need limits. But who are we to insinuate that our child is wrong for the way that they think or the way that they feel Um, What this causes is for the child to doubt their own opinions and in turn doubt their own decisions. You know, Laurie, there's a lot of research out there, and I'm sure that uh, you've seen this yourself, on the result of invalidating parenting. And we've certainly seen a link between this and many emotional disorders. Often we see eating disorders, self-harm, depression, and anxiety When you don't validate your child's thoughts and feelings, they begin to feel like they just can't do anything right. And with that sort of inner dialogue going on in their heads year after year after year, you begin to feel like, you know, there's something inherently wrong with you. The best way to validate your child is to simply reflect back to them what you are seeing and what you're hearing. I'll give you an example. Um, Wow, you really feel strongly about that. Or, sounds like you had a really hard day. Looks like you're not feeling so happy right now. Human beings need to feel seen and heard. They want to feel felt. And you you can meet this need of your child by using validation. I think that's a really good suggestion. And there's a book that I love called Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting. It's by uh, Dr. Laura Markham, M-A-R-K. H-A-M. And it really talks about how to raise responsible, capable, and happy kids based on the kind of research that you're talking about. Validation, observation, noticing, being a thinking parent, raising a thinking child so that we're not just instilling fear of consequences, but we're getting our child to understand why the underpinnings of their behavior, what it's about, and to think about it so that they can make better decisions. Now, 
what do you think are some of the things that make it really tough for parents to be able to do these techniques? Is it their own upbringing, the way that they've been parenting? Because a a lot of times in therapy, and I'm sure that you do as well, I talk with parents and I ask them a lot of questions about how they were parented because that has a lot to do with what they think is the way to parent their kids. How much do you think that has an impact on how they parent their kids? Sure, Laurie. Absolutely. I think that the way we were raised and the type of parenting that we've experienced has a lot to do with the way that we parent. Um, I've met plenty of people who tell me up front, I want to do the complete opposite that my mother did. And I'm working really hard at being complete opposite. But more often, I will see parents who are probably repeating the pattern of their own parent. And this is tough. Again, like I mentioned in the beginning, intentionality. We have to be very intentional before we follow through with any kind of behavior program or even just being with our kids. We need to stop and think, is this in my child's best interest or is this kind of part of my own stuff? If you look at the increase in rates of depression and anxiety in parents, that's that's going to be an issue. That's going to affect the way that we respond to our children. It certainly is. It's something to be mindful about. Stress takes its toll on us. I don't know any parents that aren't dealing with stress right now. We have our jobs. We have our households. We have our family members. We have our own upkeep. How can we not have stress? Stress directly affects the way that we parent. And a lot of times when we snap at our kids, it isn't so much about what our kids did. It's more about how we're feeling in that moment. So there are several things that can impact your parenting that we need to kind of take a a step back and analyze and monitor. I think that's a really good point. I think self-care is really important. And I also think, you know, you said anxiety. And what I see a lot, it, it's funny, I read in a book one time uh, the statement, and I highlighted it because I loved it, that anger is the bodyguard of fear. And that what I see is is that a lot of parents are really anxious. Are my kids going to turn out okay? Are they going to be all right? And so what they do in response to that anxiety is, is that they rely on their bodyguard, which is anger, which brings me to another point. A lot of parents ask me, you know, um, you know, is it okay, you know, to, is hitting your child an effective technique for discipline? And I personally feel that there are a lot of other great techniques, but because you do this nurture child approach and you really want to focus on the positive stuff, tell me a little bit about what you think about whether hitting a child is an appropriate consequence. Sure. And I, I certainly don't want to judge here. Of course, if we're talking about beatings and we're talking about harm, physical harm, absolutely, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to agree that this is not in the best interest of your child. But as far as spanking, I'm going to say that it absolutely is not fruitful. We know from the research that aggression will lead to aggression. If a child is hit throughout their childhood, what are we teaching them? What are we instilling in them? The other thing is that according to the research, this is reinforcement. Remember what I talked about in the beginning. 
whatever it is that's following the misbehavior is either going to make that behavior continue, or it might lessen the behavior and, and bring it down. So if my child is acting out and I strike them, I'm attending to them, I'm reinforcing that behavior. And so there's absolutely nothing productive out of hitting. There are certainly many other ways that we can handle misbehavior uh, without fueling the child without giving that energy. I think that's a really good point. And I, and I also think that as I, as I remember telling my son when he was little, we resolve our problems with our words and not with our hands. And that if we want to reinforce that with our children, then we have to be examples of that ourselves. We have to be able to resolve our problems, even with our kids, with our words and not with our hands. So, Debbie, I want to thank you so very much for coming. I have worked with Debbie many, many times over the years, and she's absolutely wonderful. Her clients, her kids adore her, and we can certainly see why she knows so much about this field. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Laurie, and it has been such a pleasure, and a pleasure in working with you through the years. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Dr. Laurie, and I will see you next podcast. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, lauriepelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.